Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. The decree of kings in waiting on the Lord, the movement now for this church as we proceed in this year, we are both kings and priests unto God, right? So a priest is God-focused. Whenever you think of priesthood, it's devotional, it's worship, it's prayer, it's intimacy with God, it's engagement with God before you represent to the people. But when you speak kingship, kings face people. And kings rule on the earth on God's behalf. Now, you're not either or. You are both kings and priests. The Bible says we are a royal, which is kingly, kingship. Royal is king, anything to do with kingship. Royal priesthood. So, watch. We are priesthood, but even the priesthood is kingly. So, the kingly dimension in the priesthood needs to be recovered. Because all the church has known up to this point is priestly engagement without kingly function. Kings rule on the earth, but they rule on behalf of God and represent God. So, uh, but specifically, Sean has a marvelous teaching about the power of decree. How you speak, how you pray, how you call things into being as a king in the earth. You see, kings decree, and everyone in the realm must live by the decree. They determine, they, de- they are determinators of culture, of law, of order, of what should be and of what should not be. You are authorized to declare the legality or the illegality of a thing if you rise up in your kingship authority in Christ. So this is going to be a very, very, watch this year, because I know this church, we're extremely devotional. We love to worship, which is, which is a must. We love to engage. Um, we are, God would focus very often, but now what we are in terms of our priestly function towards God, equally we must be in our kingly function towards men on the earth. Amen. Amen. So tell your neighbor you are king. Okay. So we're going to study after Sean comes. I'm not sure how the Lord would lead me. I may just start a series just before he comes or maybe after he comes. I'm thinking wait till after he comes so that he comes and releases various things. And when the weekend's gone, we take what he released and we unpack it systematically. And we make sure every single one of us operates in the power of that thing. Amen. It's going to be an exciting time. It's going to be a very exciting time. Just remind your neighbor you are king. Even the storks in the sky knows the time of their mind. Gratian, but my people don't know my ordinance. Now, the sh- one of the shifts for this congregation is going to be from priesthood to kingship. It's not that we're leaving priesthood, because really, the priesthood is a royal one. It's a king priesthood. Right? So, Mal- the order of Melchizedek will be pivotal for us to study, because Melchizedek was a king in Salem and a priest. He was two in, in one. He knew how to engage God, and he knew how to withstand other kings in the earth, right? And Jesus is a priest after the order of Mel, Melchizedek. 
Come on, are you excited? Come on, tell someone we're going to rule. Come on, we're going to rule. Tell your neighbor's sons rule. This is going to demand a new mindset. This is going to demand a new mindset. You're no more, no more going to be a victim in a realm. You're going to rule the realm on God's behalf. Your victim status is ended, I declare to you. You're now a king. You're a man and a woman as young as you are. Even you guys in the sports arena, uh, when, when you go up, you don't go there um, with um, weak image about who you are in Christ. You're not arrogant, neither are you proud, but you're rawly confident about the fact is, I know legitimately who I am. I am God's son. I go with authority and I rule I represent God accurately in every sphere wherever I function. Let me just say this. You know, I'm picking up something. If you truly tap into this power, there's no problem in life that you will even face where you will not feel you don't have the spiritual authority. Authority is a big topic this year. Everyone say authority. authority. Because kings have power and authority. You've got to have both. It's like a policeman. You must have the gun and the badge. You must have the authority and the power. Can't have one without the, with the other. And in the kingdom, the Bible says, all. Jesus said, all power and authority. In other words, I'm authorized to function and I have the resources to get the job done. Huh? Come on, are you excited? I'm excited for this year. right? I'm literally serious. I'm going to buy myself a crown. But I'm going to have it as a symbol in my house. Right? I'm going to have it as a symbol in my house. Every time my children see it, they say, this house is called to rule. This house is called as, as kings. We are priests, but we are also but we're also kings on God's behalf. Amen? We are kings and priests. Build the house of God. You know what God said to me? You build my house, I build your house. Simple. You want your house built? Build my house. You want your needs met? Seek first my kingdom and every other thing will be added to you. Having your needs met is no big deal. Just prioritize God's agenda and see how He prioritizes your agenda. All right? We want God to put our needs on top of His list. When it comes to His purposes in the earth, it features way down there. Okay? So you've got to build the house. Everyone say build the house. Very, very simple. It's a disposition. It's a, it's a mindset. Tell someone we got the year. We got the year. I'm excited about this year. I want to reiterate again. You build the macro purposes of God. You build the big picture. God takes care of your micro issues. Right? We give full attention to this. Father's will takes priority. And God meets our local needs. Hallelujah. God meets our local needs. Amen. I'm trusting God for a building in Durban. Come on, trust God with me. Come on. You know, in, in Luke, I think it's Luke 5 somewhere, where the, the four friends, and the one friend was, uh, was paralyzed, and they brought him on a stretcher remember that incident you know what the bible says there uh the house was so full where they were that they could not get in for the press so these men jumped onto the roof and they took they calculated more or less where jesus was standing now i mean they took great thought you got a full house of people you took the tiles off above where jesus was standing in our house it means you had to put you have to use all the mathematics you learned at school. 
work out the dimensions, work out exactly which tiles must come off. So it's a great thought. Everyone say great thought. I like these four friends because there's great thought involved in what they were doing. And knock out, excuse me, it's not their house. You today go to someone's house and try to take tiles off. <laughs> Guess what? The police will be right there for you. What are you doing? So I like these four friends because they took great risks. Why? Because they want to help their paralyzed friend to walk again. You see, to get someone to wholeness, you have to sometimes make great risks. Take great, uh, uh, it's costly for you. And the Bible says they lowered him down and they got him onto the roof. Now to get a paralyzed man onto a roof, it's another mission, right? Guy can't move, you must carry him up. And the Bible says they dropped him directly where Jesus was standing. When Jesus saw the man, Jesus said this, your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. All the people in the room were angry and they said, who has power on earth to forgive sins? But God. Right? And Jesus knew the murmur in their hearts and Jesus said this, this to them. Which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven you or rise up, take up your bed and, and walk. Now obviously in the natural, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven you. Because if you say, rise up, take up your bed and walk, there must be some demonstration right, to validate you as a son of God. But you know what Jesus said? But that you might know that on earth the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. I now say to the paralytic, take up your bed and walk. He's saying, if I do the harder thing, does it not validate my authority in your minds to, to do the easier thing? Right? So he says, that you might know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Take up your bed and, and walk. And the Bible says they were astonished. Now listen carefully. The Bible says, there's a little, if you read the end of that, of that, of that narrative, the, Bible, the, the, the people say, we have never seen it done like this before. They were not just referencing the fact that Jesus discerned the greater need, which is forgiveness of sins, rather than healing of a paralytic. Let's be honest, that's the greater need. That the sin be for, forgiven, and that he also comes to place of physical healing. I think what astonished the crowd was, what about the narrative do you think? Impress the people. Several things could impress the people in that narrative. But I think one of the great things was this. You know what the Bible says? Okay, the guy is lowered down. He's a paralytic, right? He's paralyzed. He's lowered down and he's exactly in front of where Jesus is standing. You know what the Bible says? Before Jesus responds, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, now your sins are forgiven. Who had the faith? Four friends. Who got the blessing of it? This paralytic. You see, you can, have, you can have faith as an individual. But there's something about the power of corporate faith. It's when a group of people believe the same thing from God. Then the potential power and outworking is greatly amplified. Yes, 
greatly amplified. Now, I want to encourage us all. Tell your neighbor, believe God with, with Randolph. You see, it's fine. God can say to me, Randolph, oh, great is thy faith. You're trusting me for so much. But there's something that moves the heart of God when God looks down and he sees corporate faith. Right? Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic. Let me just say this to all of us. By the way, the Bible clearly calls those five people friends. They were what? Chummies, right? Bruised, hanging out. They had to get this guy to a place of healing. Why? Everywhere they go. We'll carry this brew. You can't be carrying the brew forever. I think out of sheer desperation, these guys say, hey, now is our chance. We're going to do everything. We're going to pull out tiles, do everything we can to get this brew to a place. You see, we, you can carry people, but you mustn't carry people indefinitely. You must carry people to the place where they can carry themselves. You must carry people to the place where they can now walk themselves. That, that is, for me, powerful. You know, there's some people you have to literally carry them into heaven. You, but listen, we're we about maturity. Everyone say, grow up. Grow up. Right? You can't be dependent and depend on crutches forever and ever. There must come a place in your life where you can be an autonomous Christian. Right? It's not that you'll never ever need anyone. But at least now, things that beset you before, you've overcome. And you're now starting to, to grow. You're now starting to walk. Repeat after me. When he saw their faith. Right? There's something about their faith. Now, I want to encourage you. We are trusting God for a building. How many of you have faith to believe that we're going we're gonna to walk into that place soon? Right? I'm, I'm tempted to start, but I will release maybe the teaching next week or the week after on Jeremiah 32. How Jeremiah bought a piece of land for 17 shekels of, of silver. Okay? But um, I'm not feeling the leading of the Lord to go there right now. All I'm saying is I want you to start to posture your mind with this. We are about to enter the, the purchase of a, of, a, of a building. You see, it's not the building per se we want. We want structure to facilitate purpose. Right? We're not ambitious for a building. The building is not the thing. Our thing is, we want context or environment in and through which purpose of God can be transmitted. When God says, hey, they're prioritizing my purpose. When you prioritize purpose, God says, I'll give you the resource. Because your focus is not the resource. Your focus is using the resource to facilitate my my, my purpose. Amen. So one of the big purposes. You see, this church is not inwardly focused upon our own uh, local agenda. We have a local agenda. We have local priority. We have local things which you should be committed to. But beyond that, we have agendas that take place in our city and in the, and in the, in the world, basically. In the world, basically. And, for example, agendas like this where our Father in the Lord is involved with. And He wants to bring apostolic um, uh, mandate, apostolic grace to the entirety of a city. And there's forums created. Then we put our shoulder behind the wheel. And we say, no, no, no. We had that purpose. We will, we will push and facilitate that purpose with you. Remember what Paul said to Timothy. 
Second Timothy 3.10, I think. You have known my teaching. You have known my conduct. But you've also known my purpose, Timothy. Lots of sons know their father's teaching. And they're happy to get the teaching. A lot of sons know their father's conduct or behavior. But very few sons support their father's purpose. Everyone say purpose. Come on, say it again, purpose. Right? That is what we're going to be focused on. Now, go to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. I want to encourage you with a thought. Let me just read the chapter uh, as a witness. And then we'll, we'll pick up on various things which I believe God wants, to, God wants for us to know and emphasize for today. Amen. But let's just read this chapter. It's a, it's a tremendously encouraging chapter. We've been speaking about this year as the favor of the, the favor of the Lord. And it's growing more and more in my spirit. Yesterday at the prophetic conference with Shailen Singh in Isipingo, a few of you were, attended the conference and I'm sure you'll agree it was a tremendously empowering time. Right? It was very governmental, very, very prophetic. And uh, Shailen's wife, Mel, at the invocation, the scripture reading at the start of the session yesterday, uh, referenced a verse in Jeremiah chapter 32, exactly the same chapter that I want to preach on in reference to procuring land and buildings. And for me, it was a witness. And in a declaration, very strong governmentally, she said, the, people, uh, the Lord says to her, the people here in this company of people attended are going to come into land possession. Right? Everyone say yes. yes. Going to come into land. So for me, I took that. Right? Uh, I took that as yes, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking, uh, what I'm planning to minister. So it was, a, it was a confirming word. I've been saying to you that this year is the year of the favor of the Lord. It's your jubilee. Everyone say it's my jubilee. Right? It's your jubilee where uh, slavery, any kind of sla enslavement or entrapment is going to be supernaturally canceled by the Lord. It does require your cooperation, though. But if you position yourself, anything in which you are feel locked into and stifled and stymied, God's going to cause a release from that. I believe it's e even going to happen financially. Okay? Um, land was, in the same year, land ownership reverted to the original owners in the year of Jubilee. Okay? So there's a whole idea of the appropriation of land ownership. Everyone say land ownership. And before we even get to that specific segment of study, I want to encourage all of you, trust God to own land. Trust God to own land. Even those of you who are renting, trust God that things are going to soon change and you're going to have your own piece of land you can call your own. Is your faith great? Come on, talk to me. Is your faith great? Cattle shed a word with us. Be it unto me according to your word. That Mary, uh, those are Mary's words. The centurion soldier is, he says, just speak the word. And if I like the image of what she said. Just stay in close proximity to the sound of words. Believe the prophet and you will, you will, pro, you will prosper. So I want to encourage us all. Trust God that you're going to come into land ownership. So when Jesus said, I will proclaim the favor of the Lord or the year of God's favor or the acceptable year of the Lord, to the Hebrew Jewish mind, 
that phrase referenced and was akin to everything that Jubilee stood for. Jubilee, the 50th year. Remember, after every seventh year, the land lied fallow. And God said to them, don't worry about the produce in that year. For in the sixth year, we read in Leviticus, God says, I will cause a bounty of harvest for the next three years. The sixth year, the seventh year, the eighth year, and the ninth year. Okay? And you will start sowing in the ninth year. Right? And so all these things are true for us. They mustn't just become theory. They must become practical. Okay? We must experience this. And um, so we've been speaking of this, that God's going to unfairly favor us. Right? He's going to give us an unfair advantage, preferential treatment. The proclamation of the year of God's favor is upon us. Okay? In that verse in Isaiah 60, where Jesus, uh, the, the prophet prophesied of Jesus, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those that are bound, etc. And He said also to proclaim the acceptable year of the, of the Lord, or the year of God's favor. The acceptable year. The year in which we experience these things is not 2017 per se. It's not the Babylonian clock 2017. The, the word year there is a state of existence. It's a sphere of, in which you function. Right? I'm just saying it is true for us starting from this year. But it's not dependent upon a Babylonian clock called 2017. Right? It's a result of our standing in God as His sons with Him as our Father. You are favored simply because you are His Son. But more than that, there is the realization that this year is very special. It's going to be a unique year with unique characteristics. If you heard Pastor Thamo's message on the, from the 8th of January and even last week's one, I was amazed. I listened to it in the week. And I shared this with the elders when we met in the week. I was amazed at the uncanny resemblances to what he shared to what we've been sharing here the past two weeks. It was amazing. I want to encourage the church, you should track me in my sermons, but you should also be tracking Pastor Thamo in his teachings. Every week their sermons are uploaded. You'll be richly blessed, richly endowed. Amen. So he said this, that this year also there will be great economic and political instability. There's going to be a lot of flux and destabilization systemically of political systems and economic systems. It obviously will have an effect on your private world. Right? But to God's sons, in this time, there will be an immunity. Right? You needn't be as adversely affected as most people are. In that economy, you're going to know the favor and the protection of the Lord. Okay? Simply because he said you subscribe to biblical principles. You subscribe to principles, uh, even economic principles like first fruits, tithes, and offerings that literally ensure that you will have immunity when global in financial instability hits the face of the earth. Now, all those things are, are true. But I know, um, together with that, this year promises to be the year of of tremendous fulfillment of prophetic words. It's going to be, it's going to happen. Now, I'm, I'm referencing Genesis 17, 
because the same word acceptable year or time or the set time to favor God's people has come is used in this passage. And it's no coincidence that it's chapter 17 in 2017. I wasn't even looking for 17. I was just studying the word wherever it's found and I saw it here. And um, only after I, I was sharing a thought with someone and that person said to me, oh, did you notice it's in chapter 17 of Genesis? I said, oh, okay. It's, so it may have revel, relevance or not. Okay. But check it out. Okay. Are you ready? All right. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. You know, I like this. Walk before me and be blameless. I want to share with you next week. I won't get into or the following week. Um, there's a whole bunch of scriptures I pulled out that describe how our walk in Christ should be. Okay? And I'll present that to you in two or three weeks' time when, when I discuss a certain matter with you. But you see, Abraham had promises in Genesis 12. You will be a father of many nations. I'll make you great. I'll make your name great. Whoever blesses you, I bless. Whoever curses you, I curse. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In Genesis 13, he separates from, from Lot. God makes him a promise at the end. Now lift up your eyes. Look everywhere. North, south, east, west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and to your descendants forever. That's Genesis 13. In Genesis 14, Lot is captured. And, and, and Abraham uses all of his arsenal to rescue his brother. Everyone say his brother. So he has high priority for the dust in Zion. Remember? He finds pleasure in her stones. A brother that left him, he goes literally on a suicide mission to rescue the, the brother. When he comes back with the booty from the spoil of war, who does he first honor? He goes to his father in the Lord, Melchizedek. So he's rightly related to brothers and he's rightly related to the father in the Lord to whom he's accountable. So he expresses honor to Melchizedek. That's Genesis 14. Now Genesis 15 verse 1 starts, It came to pass after these things that the word of the Lord came to Abraham and said, Do not fear Abraham. I am your shield and your great reward, or your reward shall, from me shall be, shall be great. God gives him details as to what will happen to the great nation in that chapter that will be born from his, from his loins. Okay, That will be born from his loins. Certain things transpire in Genesis 16. By the time you come here to Genesis 17 verse, verse 1, if you, if you know the context of the chapter, God, God is now, He has tested Abraham in his, in his relationship to a brother, Lot. He's tested Abraham in how he honors a spiritual father with his tithe, Melchizedek. Okay? Now, God says to him, okay, I'm about to give you details about how you're going to be a father of many nations. But the proviso, the condition is what? Come on, let's say it together. Say from I am the Lord. One, two, three. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. He who has all these great promises has a condition. No promise is without condition. God says to him, Abraham, there's so much hanging on you. You've got to walk before me and be blameless. I like some of the other versions. They say, walk before me and be perfect. 
be perfect. Recall in the, the Beatitudes, or rather in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, a long discourse, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is where Jesus uttered several things, several principles that characterize life in the kingdom of God. At the end of it, you know what he says? He says, now be he perfect, just like your heavenly Father is perfect. I want to encourage us, we must lead blameless lives. If you're going to come into this realm of favor and you're still entertaining sin, at this stage, God help you. God help you after several warnings that I've uttered from this platform almost weekly. If you're still not listening, may the Lord be gracious and merciful to you. Right? You, you know what the Bible says? By this stage, he who is unrighteous must be unrighteous still. He who is holy must be holy Still, what is that saying? He's saying, you know, there, there comes a time in God when he comes to a point of intolerance. And he says, well, bro, my son, if that's what you want, give it 100% right? Tell your neighbor, choose you this day. Come on, choose you this day. I can sense the mood of God. God is saying to this, you know, his grace to this church. His grace to this and His mercy to this, to, 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 to this household has been vast. And for some of us, God is saying, I'm waiting. The Bible says, my spirit will not always strive with man. Samson thought that. And when the, he cut off, Delilah cut off his hair, and the Philistines came to attack him, you know what he said? He said, no problem, Delilah. I will get up. As I've always done in times before. And there's a little portion there that says, But he wist not, he did not know that the God took his spirit off him. Right? You, can, you can sleep on Delilah's lap all you want to and be so close to carnality. And you can play with carnality and, and you can find pleasure in it. And you think you can simply carry on and all will be well. It will not. There will come a time where the Lord will say, enough and no further. I'm tired of speaking now. Uh, this stiff-necked and uns... You know what Bible, uh, God calls Israel at one point? He said, these are stiff-necked and a stubborn and a rebellious people. Okay? So I want to encourage you, please, just tell your neighbor, I beg of you, church, be blameless. Be blameless. Stop the nonsense. Stop the, the subterfuge. Stop the clandestine activity. Stop the secrecy. Stop doing things under the radar where you think you're going to get away with it and nobody will ever find out. Stop that. Come on, tell someone again, be blameless before God. You know, I, the way I read this, I mean, you know, if I were God, I'm saying, God, but couldn't, don't you know Abraham by now, God? You're dealing with him from chapter 12 already. You've tested his heart in chapter 13 in reference to Lot. Right? Chapter 14, you've tested his heart there too. You know his honor of his spiritual father, Melchizedek. You've already given him details of your personal plan for his life in chapters 15 and 16. Now chapter 17 is open and you still want to re-echo personal purity to the man? Be blameless. Right? Be blameless. Can't get away from this. I'm saying to myself, Randolph, if you're going to go forward, be blameless. Let me just say this. In this chapter, his name is changed. 
from Abram to Abraham. If we're ever going to go from smallness to bigness, if ever we're going to go to the next level, God is saying, I demand from you a new level of blamelessness. The things you covered up before, deal with them. Let's now, I'm calling for integrity at the highest levels. I'm calling for, for righteousness. Amen? Calling for righteousness. So, how old is this guy, by the way? He's 99, eh? And the Lord says to him, appeared to Abraham and said, I am God Almighty. I think it's Elohim here, if I'm not mistaken. I am God Almighty. Now, walk before me and be blameless. Don't compromise on things you know you should not be compromising. Okay, let's read the rest of the chapter. If I'm at my way, I'll stay in this verse. But I can't let you go on this note. There's still good things to come after the chapter. But nothing good. You can't go to verse 2 or 3 if you haven't full, full verse. One. Okay. Blamelessness. Verse 2, I will establish my covenant between me and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. Right? Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him. So the man drops face down. God says, now let me talk with you. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, Abraham. You will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Abraham means high father or exalted father. Abraham means father of a multitude of nations or many nations. So his sphere of his fathering is going now just from in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's now going to bless whole nation groups. Obviously, families are the compositional makeup of nationhood. Okay. Then God says, for I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you. And kings will come forth from you. I like this idea of kingship. I'm going to make nations from you. And even kingly dimensions are going to echo forth from you. Verse 7. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be there, God. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, when God says, as for you, He's saying, much of this hinges on you, Abraham. He's saying, I need your direct cooperation in what I'm about to do. He says, as for you, you will keep my covenant and your descendants after you throughout your generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Circumcision is a big topic, but it relates to cutting away of the flesh. Right? And the inability to hear God. Right? Um, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are uncircumcised in heart and ears. Too much flesh over the ear, you can't hear my voice. Fleshly pursuit or carnal indulgence always blurs and blocks off your capacity to hear God. For the moment you deal with things, it's amazing the voice of the Lord is 
is amplified. So circumcision means dealing with fleshly tendency. Fleshly, it's symbolically portrayed here. But for them it happened actually, but it was a sign of the covenant that God made with Abram. Every male among, every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house or who is brought up, bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendants. In other words, all your males in any house, servants and sons, must be circumcised. A servant who is not born in your house, who is bought with your money, shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. An uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people, and he, and he, for he has broken my covenant. Let's, let's read on. It's very important we read this. And the Lord God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, sorry, Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Sarah shall be, I will bless her, and indeed I will give, I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? Okay, he's doing the maths. I'm 99, nine months later, should it be 100. This child's going to be born. And you say, Lord, how is this going to happen, right? Will a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 uh, years old, bear a child? Uh, everyone say impossibility. That's by natural standards, right? So God is saying, I'm going to do something for you, or to you, through you, for you, that's virtually impossible by natural accounts. Let's go on, quickly. Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Ishmael is a reality, right? Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you will call his name Isaac. Now, you know, God will even work through with your mistakes. He made a mistake by producing the Ishmael. Right? And I sense in the season, don't worry about how you've messed up. If your heart is right, God will accommodate your weaknesses. If your heart is right, you say, God, I've messed up big time. But if you position yourself right, you know, from, for many of you, I can see on your faces, for many of you today can be the start of a brand new era. A brand new era. You've messed up, you've done wrong, whatever. God will help you through all of that. Just position your heart right and say, God, from this point onwards, yeah, that's going to happen for me, my family. Amen? Amen. And so uh, God says to him, you shall, be, you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant for him, for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Next verse. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I will bless him, make him fruitful, multiply him exceedingly. He shall become a father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. As we know, they are great today. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, not with Ishmael. My covenant is with Isaac that will be born to you, who Sarah will bear to you. This season, next year. That's the word I want to capture. Everyone say, this season, next year. This season, next year. Go on, just quickly. And when he finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Quickly, go on. Next chapter. Go to verse, I think it's chapter 18. Go on. Yes, verse 2. Abraham is by the oaks of Mamre in Hebron, right? So God sends messengers to him. And he saw them and he ran uh, from the tent door to meet them. And he bowed himself to the earth. Quickly. There's one verse I was going to highlight. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. 
So Abraham sees the angelic visitation as an expression of God's favor. Don't pass me by. Everyone say, come on, don't let the Lord pass you by, right? God is not passing us by, right? God is not passing us by. Hallelujah. Come on, encourage someone next to you. You're not a, God is not going to pass you by. God is going to bless you. I'm tremendously encouraged to see that many of you are here today. I want to encourage you to be faithful to every meeting. Dr. Segi said you're one meeting away from a breakthrough. God's not going to pass you by. God's, God's got your number. God's got your circumstance. God's got your circumstance. And, and, and you know, I love Abraham. He realizes, hey, if I, if I found favor, you're not going to pass me by. And I've been teaching you every week, God is favoring this congregation. God is favoring you. God is favoring you. That's the word we heard right from January when in a realm called favor. And I know definitively, I'm here to encourage every one of you, God's not going to pass you by. God has not forgot the severity of the circumstance that you are presently dealing with. He will not uh, bypass you. He will not. Okay, quickly. Please let a little water be brought, etc. Let's go on. Verse 5 and verse 6. Okay. Now, Abraham, okay, he encourages Sarah to prepare a meal for these guys. Right? Choice cough, right? They, they're preparing. So they ask. So they're dealing with him. These angelic visitors, by the way, taking on human form, but they're angels. And he regards them as the Lord himself in his midst. And let me just say this. It's a principle that whenever you perceive the Lord in your midst, have a meal. Because no one's going until we eat. And he hurries and they prepare and they are hospitable. And they prepare this. And then, listen carefully, they, they call for Sarah. I'm going to focus on Sarah. Where is? Because without Sarah, nothing's going to happen, right? We need a womb. To produce the baby, to bring it forth, right? And so, and so verse 10, he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself and said, After I have become an old, shall I have the pleasure, my Lord, of being an old, of my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I'm so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? You know, I just love that. At the appointed time, I will return to you this time next year. This was my signature verse in the first week of January, this chapter. And that phrase stood out for me. At an appointed time. Same, same words as the said time has come to favor. Tell someone it's your appointed time. Now God is saying to, to Sarah and to Abraham, you are gonna don't worry about the impossibility of the of the situation based upon the incapacity of your biological clock, your bodies to produce this. It's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power. It's going to be by my spirit, declares the Lord. Some of you are facing impossible situations. I'm here to say to you, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Come on, say that with me. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Come on, say it louder. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You see, I believe... And I may be wrong in this. I believe Abraham's laugh was in joy. I believe Sarah's laugh, they say, was in doubt. Hence the question, why is Sarah laughing? 
Don't laugh at what's going to surely happen. You know, like it's almost mocking. Oh, Randall's believing for a building. <laughs> Let's see this happen. Let's wait and see. That kind of spirit must hit the door. We need faith. Come on, we need belief. We need faith. Right? Huh? Come on, say it with me. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? God called the boy's name Isaac. God named him. Why? Because Isaac means laughter. When this boy comes, God's saying, there's going to be a level of joy in your life that you've never experienced. This boy is going to be the embodiment of joy. Right? Who needs some new joy? You're tired of things as they are. Right? I had a prophecy about this. God says, I'm going to leap and skip and jump in childlike joy like I've never had before. Amen? Now, I'm taking this word to my own heart. Tell your neighbor, this time next year. Now, let me be practical here, right? What will be in your life this time next year that is not here now? Think with me. And, and whatever God prophetically has promised you, I'm suggesting to all of us today, God is saying to you by prophetic announcement, you are not here by coincidence. Do not look at the impossibility of the circumstance. You might, your resources might not measure up to the magnitude of what I'm about to bring. But be guaranteed, this time next year, you will have what you've never had before. You will go where you've never gone before. You will administrate what you've never administrated before. You're going to steward things which a year ago you thought you were ineligible to steward. Things are going to be vastly different this time next year. Right? But you see, there was a nine-month process, right? A nine-month process to next year so as the nine months go do not let your faith wane as time passes you must grow in faith and do not wane in faith yeah which which of you are facing some impossible circumstances you're saying god okay i'm hearing you but hey on the ground i must confront a dead womb in sarah i'm past the age of childbearing right but God just said to him, how is this going to happen? Everyone say, how? You want to know how? I'll tell you, right? <laughs> Firstly, I changed your name from Abram to? In the Hebrew, I told you to change the, the name from Abram to? Abram is the insertion of the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet to change the name. Five is the number of? How is this going to happen? By? By grace. Everyone say, by grace. Come on, say it, by grace. Let me just encourage you. Listen to all the grace teachings. There are five or six CDs there on grace. Every principle I've taught you to increase your grace content, focus on that. If you don't have grace, nothing's going to happen. Right? Grace is going to get the results. It's not by human effort. It's by the grace of God. Right? It's by the grace of God. Secondly, not just Abraham's name is changed, but Sarah's name must also be changed. And I alluded to this in a past message. Serai means strife. Serai means contention. Serai alludes to division. That's what the name means. But Serah means noble woman, woman of dignity. God is saying the womb that will receive the seed cannot be contentious. I, this, if I have to, you know, a name change was a nature change. When, when Hebrew names are changed, it's not just descriptors. It's 
It's the core of the person. It's issues of destiny that is changed. So when you change your name from Serai to Serah, God is saying, Serai, deal with your strife. Deal with your contention, with your division. If you take, let me just say this, because I can see arguments written all over some of your faces. Of your faces. There's too much argument in your homes. Too much words in strife between marital partners. Too, too much level of contention. You've got to have a peaceful environment for the seed of God. A few years ago, our ministered the seed is called Peace for the Seed. Every seed is sown into an environment of peace. Come on, you know, I want to be practical like never before with this congregation from this point on. Who is with me? An end to strife, an end to contention. Come on, are you with me? As much as you sense the temptation to be argumentative and contentious and divisive and there's strife in your home, deal with that thing, brethren. No womb of strife and contention will be fertile enough to produce the seed of God's word. It's not going to happen. The Sarai's must be changed to Sarah's. Because the seed from Abraham, from grace, the grace seed cannot be lodged into a womb of strife. I think, I think, this church is tremendously grace enriched. Grace is abundant here. But sometimes you can be in the environment of Abraham full of grace. But you have a womb of contention. You have a womb of division. You have internal strife, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness in your heart. That will not produce the Son, the representation of the Son of God in the earth, in your world. Everyone repeat after me, this time next year. I am making an announcement for our New Year's Eve service at the end of this year. We're going to have a meeting of testimonies. Hmm? Yes, I may be a short word, but I want it to be proclamative of see what the Lord has done. We, were no, we didn't have this. We were not there. But look. And it's not about a boast. It's about see how good and how great Elohim, the Lord Almighty in that verse, the, the many-breasted one, full of resource that is able to provide for our every need. Come on, repeat after me. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Close your eyes and just say it, but let it, let it resonate in your spirit. Say with me again, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now with your eyes closed, just lift up your hands and talk to your father and say, Father, there's nothing too hard for you. At the appointed time. Come on, say it with raw conviction. Say, at the appointed time. In the set time. This time next year. I will have what you promised. I will walk in what you promised. I will administrate what you promised. For your glory and for your honor. I seek your kingdom first. I favor the dust in Zion. I find pleasure in the stones of Zion. Therefore your favor is upon me. Loving Father, this time next year, Loving Father, this time next year. Come on, say it again. Loving Father, this time next year. 
be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me as you have promised. I thank you I'm not just a priest, but you have made me a king. You have made me a king and a priest. I thank you that I can decree and I can authorize things on your behalf. And now by faith in your word and trust in your spirit, I decree my life is about to change. The favor of the Lord is about to be manifest in my life. I will not consider the things that militate against your purpose. The deadness of Sarah's womb. The age of Abraham and Sarah. But I believe there's nothing too difficult for you. I say it again, Father. I believe there's nothing too difficult for you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm very um, fearful of the Lord these days. I always have been. The Bible says the, the, wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. One of the Proverbs says is to fear God. To fear God is to depart from evil, it says. If you say you fear God, you will, you will leave any evil way. And, you know, I'm very calculated. God did so many things now at Shailen's conference in my own heart, just by what I've heard and what I've seen and acted before me. And I'm very, very um, somber these days. I'm joyful in all of that, but I'm very introspective. Every song I sing in worship, I want it to count. I want it to be sincere. I want it to touch the heart of God. Everything I do in God's kingdom, uh, I'm calculated. I'm very careful. So God, whatever I do, I want to please you. I want to step out of line. To step out of line now is going to be very, very costly for us. But I want to encourage you. Remember Genesis 17 verse 1. All of this, how does God start talking to Abraham? Abraham, let's chat. Come aside, let's chat. My opening statement to you is, thus says the Lord Almighty to you, walk before me and be blameless. Before I talk about Sarah changing the womb, you're going to have a son. And my covenant is with him. You're going to be blessed, exceedingly fruitful. Let me start the conversation like this. Guy, walk before me and be blameless. I want to say, start off there. If nothing else, just keep on the straight and narrow. Don't succumb to temptations. Deal with it seriously. Those of you who are fighting certain things, if ever you need to be, I'm going to deal with this. Sin will not master me. By God's grace, I'm going to get the victory over this thing. And you will see, you know what, what Sam Sullivan said to us once? Sam, and even Thamo echoed it. He said, you can't rule the earth and have dominion over the earth. If this piece of earth, you can't rule. Because your body is the last piece of earth. You're made from dust, right? It's the last piece of earth that God made. How can you take the earth if you cannot at least just rule this earth? This earth. Amen. So as we close, just say to your neighbor, walk before God blamelessly.